This is the EPLOG audio experience. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed are the host's own and do not represent the views, thoughts and opinions of EPLOG Media Private Limited. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes and or entertainment purposes only. Listener discretion advised. This is the story of a woman with fierce determination and strength. She was full of valor and courage which made her an excellent queen and a sharp diplomat this is a story of queen nazinga nazinga was born around 1583 hers was not an easy birth it is said that she was born with her umbilical cord around her neck this though worked to her advantage in some ways in africa it is believed that individuals who survived difficult births would grow up to be proud and powerful people legends even say that a wise village woman told nazinga's mother that one day when her daughter grew up she was going to be a queen this was not a very far fetched idea after all nazinga was the daughter of the king of nadongo a powerful african kingdom in what is today angola from a young age nazinga was exposed to the intricacies of court politics and diplomacy she quickly demonstrated her intelligence and leadership abilities earning her the respect and admiration of her father and her people but she was not the heir to the throne this meant that she posed no threat to the male heirs of the dynasty and it allowed the king to freely give her affection without worrying about upsetting his more likely successors as the princess nazinga underwent military training she showed a great deal of skill when wielding a battle axe which was the standard weapon of nadongan warriors She would also stand at her father's side and take part in a variety of official functions such as military councils, legal councils and significant rites. It was around this time that the Portuguese had reached Africa. So Nazinga also learned to read and write in Portuguese from visiting their missionaries. But her life was about to change drastically. In 1617 her father died and Nzinga's brother Mabandi came to power. After taking the throne he murdered all his contenders including his half brother and his family. Nzinga was spared but the new king had her young son killed and if that wasn't enough she and her two sisters were forcefully sterilized. It's probable that Nazinga was subjected to even harsher treatment due to a long-standing rivalry with her brother and perhaps that's why she feared for her safety and fled the kingdom but this was the era when slave trade began the portuguese had almost established a monopoly on the sources of slaves along the west african coast but this supremacy was endangered by the french and the english in the late 16th century this forced the portuguese to seek new areas to exploit 
by 1580, they had already developed trade ties with the neighboring Congo Kingdom. After that, they headed south of the Congo towards Angola. In 1617, the Portuguese invaded Mabundu territory and built a fort and settlement at Luanda, the capital of Angola. Having consolidated his power, Mabandi kept up the fight against the Portuguese. But in 1622, the Portuguese invited him to a peace conference so that they could finally end the hostilities with Mabundu. But Nagola Mabandi was not a great king. He lacked military and conversational skills. So while he was able to form an alliance, the Portuguese were able to make significant military gains. However, Mabandi was also aware of Nzinga's talent as a negotiator. So in 1623, he invited her to meet with the Portuguese. Nzinga accepted and she went to the neighboring village and met the Portuguese governor. But when she got there, she saw something odd. In the meeting room, there was just one chair, which the governor had occupied, meaning he expected Nzinga to stay standing or sit on the floor. In any case, the governor had the audacity to not treat her with basic respect or view her as an equal. But Nzinga was not one to back down so easily. She gestured to one of her people. That person got down on all fours and she simply perched on his back at an equal level to the governor. But that was not the only hurdle. Nzinga obviously wanted to prevent her people from being abducted and sold as slaves. She did not, however, want Nadongo's relations with the Portuguese to deteriorate as they gave Nadongo weaponry and engaged in trade with them. Therefore, Nzinga and the governor ultimately made a lot of concessions. Nzinga consented to becoming a Christian and to the temporary presence of Portuguese missionary slave traders among the Nadongo. In exchange, the Portuguese abandoned a fortress on Nadongo territory and they also agreed to set free several chiefs that they had taken in as prisoners. In 1624, Nzinga's brother, the king, died of mysterious causes. Some say it was suicide, while others say he was poisoned. What matters, though, is that now, Nzinga became the queen of Nerdongo. But life would only get more difficult for her. By 1626, the Portuguese had broken their promise. They recognized a man who shared Portugal's objectives as the Nodongo chief and raided the Nodongo territory. They took innocent people and sold them into slavery. Nzinga and her supporters had to escape to the West. There, they established Matamba as their new state. After dethroning the previous queen, Nzinga welcomed those who had fled slavery as well as those who had been harmed by the Portuguese. And in order to increase Matamba's military might, Nzinga offered sanctuary to runaway slaves and Portuguese-trained African soldiers. 
she adopted a form of military organization known as Kilombo. In this, the youths would renounce family ties and would be raised communally in militias. Nzinga also incited discontent within Ndongo itself, which was under a new puppet ruler of the Portuguese. In 1627, Nzinga was ready. After forming several alliances, she led her army against the Portuguese, initiating an historic 30-year war against them. She cleverly exploited the European rivalry by forging an alliance with the Dutch, who could gain control over Luanda in 1644. Using her great army, her new wealth, and her famous reputation, Nzinga was able to reclaim large parts of Ndongo between 1641 and 1644. But despite these triumphs, the Dutch people's authority over Angola remained weak due to a lack of artillery and political fighting. So when the Portuguese invaded Luanda in 1648, the Dutch finally gave up and signed a peace treaty. They sailed for Europe and once again Nzinga and her forces had to retreat to Matamba. In contrast with previous decades after 1648, Nzinga directed her energies towards blocking a Portuguese advance to gain more land rather than attempting to retake Ndongan territory. Over the next two decades, Matamba became a well-established state that had an equal footing with European powers. But in October of 1663, Nzinga fell ill with a throat infection and became bedridden. By December of that year, the illness had progressed to her lungs. And on the 17th of December, early in the morning, Nzinga passed away in her sleep. After she died, her sister Kambu, also referred to as Barbara or Donna Barbara, took the throne. Queen Nzinga of Ndongo and Matamba still remains an iconic figure in African history. Her life and legacy stand as a testament to the enduring strength and resilience of African people in the face of colonialism and oppression. Her diplomatic skills, military leadership and unwavering commitment to her people's freedom makes her a role model for generations to come. She is a reminder that even in the most challenging circumstances, we can rise to greatness and leave an unetched mark on history. With this, we reach the end of today's episode. We would love to know how the story of Queen Nzinga of Ndongo and Matamba has inspired you. Share your thoughts by connecting with us on our social media handle at Epilog Media on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For more stories of immaculate women who shattered glass ceilings, subscribe now to the Women in History podcast.